Good morning. It is great to be together this morning. Uh, I'm very excited to be here. And to start us off, uh, the Word says that we should rejoice with those who rejoice. And so there's a celebration I think we can all rejoice in with, uh, with our sister Crystal. She actually received tenure uh, this week. She's, uh, she's, she's one of only two people to have ever received tenure from the, from the Middlebury Dance Department. So it's quite an accomplishment. It's a big deal to get tenure. So give her a hug. Congratulate her. You know, she's an incredibly humble woman uh, for everything that, that she's accomplished. I think you're an incredibly humble woman. She's so amazingly talented. I was like, I'm going to tell everybody. And she's like, you don't need to do that. I'm like, we're supposed to rejoice with you, sister. Uh, so, give her a hug. Tell her congratulations. Uh, but the other part of that is, you know, we want to be concerned when, when we're those of us who are down. And so I do want to ask, uh, at this point... We're going to say a quick prayer for just the sermon and everything going on, but I also want to say a quick prayer for Aaron Wells, if you would pray for me, or pray with me, because he's um, he's been very, very sick, and so we want to just pray for him. He's got a really, really bad cough, um, and I think just we can pray for him to encourage that the Wells be encouraged, maybe we can reach out to them and extend some extra love their way. But uh, let's go and pray for the service and for Aaron, uh, if you would pray with me. God, we come and give you thanks and praise for who you are and all the ways that you love us, God. We thank you for how you care for our needs and provide for us and all the ways that are seen and unseen. Lord, I bring before you uh, Aaron. I just I pray that for his body, uh, for the cough that's been going on, be, be with him, heal him, Father. We, we ask in Jesus' name that you can strengthen uh, and and. Get rid of whatever it is that's ailing him. And we uh, we come before you and we pray that this service, that we, our hearts will be moved powerfully. We know that you are with us, God. We know that you that that we have received your Spirit within us and our baptism. We pray that your Spirit work powerfully upon all of us, no matter where we are with you, God. That your Word would work in our hearts and minds. That we we would be able to see you in a way that is really an epiphany from you, God. Oh, we're so grateful for the opportunity to worship you today. Be with me as an instrument of your will that uh, I would speak powerfully and clearly uh, and that even despite my own failings, Father, that people will walk away encouraged by you. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, today we get to kick off not a series, but a theme for the year. Right? And so... Uh, you know, usually we do a series where it's, you know, we're going to talk about this and this and that. But we've just decided we want to do a theme for the year of what is love. Right? What is love? And, and that's a big question that really we could spend our whole lives trying to answer. But this time we're going to spend just a year on it. But we might ask the question, why should we focus on love? Can I get that clicker? It's around here somewhere. Gotcha. There we go. Thank you, sir. Awesome. And so why focus on love? Well, because in 1 John 4 verse 8, it tells us that God is love, and that the story of the Bible from beginning to end is all about God's love, and His exceptional love for us as, as humanity. You know, everything we stand for as Christians has been founded in love, and is meant to be enacted through love. 
Every command, every call, every step that we take, it's a call to live a life of love. The greatest command, right? The summary of all of God's commands to us is love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, love is, is the prevailing theme of all of the Bible. It's mentioned over 650 times through the scriptures. That tells me there's a little bit of something there. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, and I'm sure I'll say it again and again and again many times, but all of the Bible from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation, is God's love story to humanity of how He created everything to be shared with us, and then how He's we've essentially messed it up, and He keeps trying to reconcile us because He loves us and brings us back again and again and again, all the way to Revelations where we see the culmination of his love. You know, in Ephesians 3, verse 17 through 19, Paul writes, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You know, this is my same prayer for the church as well. That we can be empowered to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is God's love this year. To know this love in a, that in its significance, that it surpasses any other bit of knowledge that we could attain. It surpasses any action that we could perform. right? But to grasp this love and to extend this love to people is really what it is to, to find the fullness of God. And so, this will prayerfully be a year for us <clears throat> where we can devote ourselves to learning about the loving heart of God and being inspired and filled with love together. For me, I, I don't want this year to be about trying to uh, be more loving. Right? I, I, a sort of self-improvement crusade about being loving people I want this year to be about digging into God's love. Learning more about it, connecting with it at a deeper level, being inspired, and letting change flow through us as we connect with who our God is. Because love inspires change. <clears throat> so as we kick off the focus for the year, what is love? Uh, I've titled this, this sermon as well, What is Love? And we're starting... Today we will try and start by answering this question by looking at two of the most fundamental facts about love that can be found in the Bible. And so these are my two points. Point one, love is the most excellent way. And point two, that love is divine. These are our two points today. You guys with me? Awesome. Well, point one, love is the most excellent way. If you've got a Bible, please turn over to... 1 Corinthians 13. <clears throat> I'm not going to have any more scriptures posted up there uh, for you. I, I love when people get a chance to see God's Word in front of them, that you can hold it in your hand, whether it be uh, the digital form or the paper form. You know, for me personally, I, I, still, I read my Bible on my phone uh, at different times and whatnot when I don't have my paper Bible, but there's something for me about holding a, 
like holding the pages and getting to see it. It helps me. Um, it also makes this part easier. That in 1 Corinthians 13, where we're going to start, the, uh, the thought actually starts at the very end of verse 12. And so if you're reading from your phone, you won't see this verse. But it's there at the very end of verse 12. And so we pick up, I'll pick up the very last sentence of chapter 12 and head straight into chapter 13. But the author writes, he says, And now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You know, the, <clears throat> the author is writing to the Christian church in Corinth for, for a number of reasons. But one of these reasons that he's writing is because the church has become infatuated by what they could do with miraculous gifts. And this is just one of the reasons he's writing. But God has been, has been doing amazing through, things through the Corinthians, right? There have been people who could speak different languages miraculously. It would be as if, you know, they, have, uh, they do French in Montreal, right? That's how they speak. If we went up to Montreal and suddenly I, not, I could just speak French, I could go up there in fluent French and preach an entire sermon. Because God had miraculously given it to me. How amazing would that be to be someone, an unbeliever, to hear someone just start speaking your language who's never studied it? They, would, they had prophecy. People would get up and, and prophesy. There were gifts of healing. There were so, so many miraculous gifts happening throughout the church. And they began to 
essentially idolize kind of the people that were doing it, exalt some as higher and greater and more important members of the body because they could do things that other people could not. And so it, that's where we get in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. It starts talking about the parts of the body and the roles and the spiritual gifts. And you see these different things. And he's addressing this issue of you're creating division in the body where there shouldn't be. Yes, you're, you can do these great things, but that's not what's important. That's not You're, you're celebrating these gifts as, as if those are the greatest gifts. But the greatest gift is love is love because the gifts were only meant to be a testament to the message that the Christians were bringing. If they're saying, I know the Messiah, here is his word, here is his teachings, and then they walk into your house, they're loving you and they're pouring their hearts out to you, and then you have a sick mother and they heal your mother, how much more easily are you going to believe them? (laughs) I'd be like, where is this Jesus? How do I find him? Can you please take me to him? You know, and they're like, actually, he's, he died and he rose again. He's still in heaven. You know, they get to go through all of it with you. It was a testimony to the word that they were bringing to the people. But Paul's point in bringing all of this up is, look, there will come a time when prophecies will cease. Where the ability to speak in other languages is going to stop. But these miracles are not going to happen anymore. But that's okay because that's not the greatest gift that's out there. The greatest and most excellent way is love. Right? And so love, love is our testimony as disciples of Jesus to Jesus. Jesus himself said, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Love is, is the most powerful testimony about God that can be made by His people. You know, why do we love like this? We love because Jesus first loved us. 2 Corinthians 5.14 For Christ's love compels us. Because one died for all. Right? Jesus set the example of love for us. And we're going to look at more... Uh, we're going to have two scriptures today in... This one here and one in 1 John 4 and we'll get there soon. But it's Christ's love that compels us as disciples of Jesus. We see that it, we do see that love is the most excellent way. I was in a Bible study this week trying to explain if people could just live out the teachings of Jesus we would get rid of the problems in our world. Poverty, gone. Right? You, you would have murder, gone. Greed, gone. Dealt with. War, gone. Time and money. I mean, all the things that, that sin consumes. We could cure so many diseases if we were focused on curing the disease. And not about making money about it, right? There, there are so many things that sin brings our world down. And if people could live as Jesus had called us to live, the world would change. Right? It is the most excellent way. When tragedy happens, hurricanes, earthquakes, storms, volcanoes, 
All of these things, when they rain down on our lives, on the world, and trouble and sorrow, and people lose families and loved ones, and they're hurting and crying and suffering and mourning. People ask, well, where is God? We are the hands and feet of God. When we go, we extend love. If the world lived out love, the people hurting and crying would be comforted. Those who are mourning would be comforted. You know, we look at God's way. It is the most excellent way. I know this, and I think of this. I I recently was... um, we went to serve on Martin Luther King Day. We went to the V&A family, or the family room, which is a nonprofit in the Old North End, if you don't know of it, where they serve low-income families. And while we were there, we had a good group of us show up, which was awesome, and thanks for everybody for coming to serve. But we show up, and there was a, a lot of other people there for the first time. I don't really remember ever being there with so many others. But I, I got paired up with a, a Jewish woman. And, you know, we ended up talking a little bit, and she goes, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a minister. And, and eventually, that's like the easiest segue ever, you know. And we get in there, and, and she goes, you know what's... And she's told me, like, right off the bat, you know, she's Jewish. And she goes, you know what? I've always been impressed with Christians. She said, I'm always impressed with how you show up to serve people who aren't even a part of your community when disaster happens. And I thought that was so cool that to hear somebody else say it. They, that they, they see the love in the way that Christians live and show up to serve. Love really is the most excellent way. It's excellent because it's everlasting. It's always needed. Always something that anyone can extend to someone else. Love will never cease to exist and its effect will reverberate forever. There's a quote from the Emperor Napoleon Bonaparte. He expressed a similar idea while he was in exile. After a long career of conquering Europe, he, he called a companion to his side and he asked him, Can you tell me who Jesus was? The man declined to respond, so Napoleon countered, Well, then I will tell you. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I myself have founded great empires. But upon what did these creations of our genius depend? Upon force. Jesus alone founded his empire upon love. And to this very day, millions will die for him. Time, the great destroyer, is powerless to extinguish his sacred flame. Time can never can neither exhaust its strength nor put a limit to its range. This is it, which strikes me most. I have often thought of it. This is which proves to me quite convincingly the divinity of Jesus Christ. That Jesus would found... And there's, there's a lot more to this quote, but that Jesus would found His empire on love. And Napoleon admits in the rest of the videos, I had to be there to convince people to do it. I had to show up. I had to speak. They had to see me. I had to be a presence. And he mentions, it, for him, he's like, it's been 1,800 years and still people give their hearts to Jesus. All of their hearts. 
that people would die, right? Because of love. Not because of force. You know, to hear Napoleon acknowledge the superiority of the conquering power of love that Jesus had over the world's method of conquest, for me, I find it incredibly inspiring. Because it just accents that love really is the greatest way. People of all cultures and all stations throughout time have been unable to deny the enduring, the enduring power of love. And so we ask this question, how is it that love is able to have this impact? How is it possible? I would say it's because love is divine. Point two. Oh, I forgot the, the quote from the Sorry. You know, point two, love is divine. Please turn to First John 4. I'm going to head over there. Is with me? First John four, verse seven. The other writes, Dear friends. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And since his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made com- complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us, because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. This passage is is a great selection on how we as disciples are called to live. But I told you that the goal is not to give us this crusade of things we need to do. So, today what I want to do is I want to focus on what this passage tells us about our God. Amen. And, and here are three things I get from this that I learned about God. What we can all learn is that love comes from God, that God is love, and that godly love goes beyond humanity's way of loving. I say this because this is, this is love. God loved us before we ever loved Him. He sacrificed Himself for us. We all love people who love us. Or most of us would say we love people who love us. Right? And, and it's cute. Uh, I love my son. But before he could say I love you, which he still doesn't say I love you, it's like, I love you. 
It's kind of what he says. Uh, but I loved him before. Before he could love me. Right? And, and we're going to have another son. And I love him before he can ever love me. God loves you, loved us, before we ever loved him. Right? And many of our connections and many of our ways of loving in the world is we love those who love us back. But God's way of loving goes beyond that. His love is to say, I love you, I will die for you. And not just when we're neutral parties, but when in fact we were his enemies, God would die for us. Crazy example of the power of God's love. The immensity of it. You know, true and pure love, it's divine. It it is a very aspect of God Himself. God is love, right? And love comes from God. God desired to extend His love so much that He created all so that He could lavish it upon us. Consider it this way. You are the object of God's affection. Like, think this in your mind for just a moment. I am the object of God's affection. Consider that. Write it down. Think about it later today. And consider the idea that you are the object of God's affection, that He loves you. How does it make you feel? It encourages me. It's me inspired. It, it, I kind of go... Sometimes I'm like, well, why? But... I feel encouraged by that idea. That the God of the universe would love me. And He loves you. Right? This fact that God is love and God is loving is crucial. The same way that that our living hope becomes hollow and ineffective, a resounding gong, when we are not rooted in love. Our understanding and experience of God and His Word becomes hollow and loses impact if... If we're not deeply rooted in God's love, we could serve all the poor we wanted. You know, as, as the writer writes, he says, you could give your body to the flames. You could become a martyr. right? You could give up all of your funds for the poor. But if you don't have love, it doesn't mean anything. Right? We could, we could shovel all the driveways we wanted. We could serve all the nonprofits we wanted. We could, we could feed and house and clothe... You know, well, in L.L. Bean, in Patagonia, every homeless person in our city. But if we lack love, it doesn't matter. Here, have some clothes. Have some food. Live in this house. Why are you doing this? Because? Be quiet, need it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like, some people would be like, cool. But love is what really changes hearts has the lasting impact and changes people. It's a part of who God is. It's a very aspect of who He is. And Satan knows that if we're not connected to that, that our efforts are hollow. Satan knows this, and he fears the power of a Christian who's anchored to God's love, who's motivated by God's love. He's afraid of that. He wants to do everything He can to distract you from that idea 
from that truth that God is love. He's doing all he can to have humanity doubt that the bedrock of God's nature is love. Satan is doing all he can to persuade you to believe that God doesn't care about you. That he isn't going to come through for you. Because he doesn't love you. He is telling you that lie. Breathing it down your neck and whispering it into your ear. Satan says if God loved you, he wouldn't let you go through what you're going through right now. Or he at least wouldn't let it last this long. Alright? You know, one of the lies that Satan breathes in my ear for me is that I have the right to lash out when I'm angry. And how does that relate? Because it, it draws me away from being loving. Right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It is, does not boast. It is not proud. It is not easily angered. Right? But he, Satan tells me, he's like, you can lash out. They wronged you. It's okay for you to be, to be angry, to hurt them back. This is one of the lies he tells me. And he, he will remove my ability to be effective as a, as a man of God, as a light in the world when I do this. But I'd like to say that it isn't often that he gets the opportunity. Uh, I'd like to say that. Um, but he certainly gets his chances. There are times where people are expressing grievances to me, right? Telling me that uh, I've done something wrong or I've hurt something, I've, I've hurt someone. Um, and, and they'll come to me with a number of issues. And there are times that my desire is just to snap back, to bite back. Well, you don't know what you're talking about, you know. When I, when I worked in customer service, this happened all the time. Uh, the, the number of times I would stand there on the other side of the counter at Starbucks and be like, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. And I'm just like repeating this in my brain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally, totally. You know, uh, just, but going back to what love is, uh, I don't strike out every time. I am sad to say that when I do strike out, oftentimes it's at my wife, you know. Who I love, the person I love the most uh, in this world, right? And Jesus isn't in this world, so I can say that. Uh, but <clears throat> so for me, though, I I can strike back. I, I can I can get frustrated because Satan tells me it's okay for you to do that. I don't hold on to God's love. I don't hold on to the cross and the example that Jesus set for me. And when I don't, my life becomes hollow. My relationships suffer from it. Right? Doesn't that, isn't that true for all of us, though? In so many ways that, that Satan whispers in your ear that it's okay to do certain things and, and deceive us and get us to be distracted from God's love. You know, he looks... I love what Carolyn and Pat said. Satan looks for the opportune time. They brought that up today, right? And and, and I didn't... I was like, that's perfect. Because he said, Satan left him to wait for the opportune time. What are your opportune times that Satan comes at you to distract you from God's love? Right? Somebody once told me that in in a marriage, the thing people fight about... Two, two of them is money and kids. Um, and I'd say that that's, that's true. Uh, 
Those are opportune times for Jesus to jump in there in my life. But Satan is constantly working to supply any lie or narrative that he possibly can to undernie our faith in God's love. But like 2 Corinthians 10 says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world, but we strive to take these rogue thoughts captive and to make them obedient to Christ. You know, this scripture, 1 John 4 verse 8, says that God is love. That's what we want to cling to and filter every lie of Satan through. The, the slight twist of truth, we even saw how he did that today. Pat and Karen did an awesome job. But the slight twist of the truth, or the flat-out lie that Satan tries to use against us. We've got to filter this truth through it, that God is love. When you're wondering if God is listening to your prayers, remember that God is love. When you're feeling like He doesn't care, remember that God is love. When you're feeling too messed up, even to be loved by Him, God is still love. When you're wondering when when the suffering will end, remember that God is love. And that one day, personally, He will wipe every tear from your eye and a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no more mourning or sickness or dying or pain. It's Revelations 21, 3 and 4. God is love. God is patient and God is kind. He is not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. He does not delight in evil. He always protects. He always trusts. And He always perseveres. God never fails. That is truth. Hold to those truths and defy Satan's lies. If there is one goal I have for this time we're taking as a church to focus on the theme of love, it is that when that we can all walk into the future having a transformative connection to God's love. I'm excited to look at the many facets of God's love together. You know, in conclusion, love is the most excellent way. If you want to make an impact on someone, love them. If you want to resolve a conflict, extend love. If you want to testify to God's word and Jesus' divinity, show love. Keep it simple. The greatest gift that humanity has been given from God is love. It is the most excellent way. He has shown us a love that is the most perfect way through the life of Jesus. Love will never fail and never ceases because God is love. It is a part of who He is. And He never changes. I pray this year will be a year steeped in love. Amen. Amen.